This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Pete Makaitis. He is the host of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job show. And in this conversation, we talk about just that. But when we talk about your job, we're talking about everything in your life, all the different hats, all the different roles that you play. And specifically in this episode, we talk about stacking tiny habits, analyzing next steps with the one thing question, the 80-20 principle, and the effectiveness ratio, also known as the outcome constraint ratio. We also talk about how all four of these things are connected together so that you can focus in on your priorities and then use them to accomplish more faster. I know you're going to love this conversation with Pete Mekaitis. It's it's high energy. I had a lot of fun talking with him. I was recently on his podcast, which I will link to in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 286. But I'll just get out of the way now so you can hear this conversation I had with him. Enjoy this conversation with Pete Mekaitis. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Pete Makaitis. Pete, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. In the intro that I have not yet recorded, I've told everybody <laughs> that uh, I've been on your show twice, and the show I am talking about is an awesome show uh, in name as well as content. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the uh, How to Be Awesome at Your Job show. And uh, or podcast, which which do you prefer, show or podcast? Let's get into that argument. You know, I most often say how to be awesome at your job podcast. Okay, um, you know, it's so funny because some people can refer to a podcast as a particular episode of a podcast or a show as a particular episode. So it's all good. So long as you don't <laughs> refer to a singular episode of a podcast as a pod, I'm good with that. Uh, how about a cast? Uh, you're you're. Thin ice. Anyway, hey, thanks for coming on the cast. Bro. Thanks, thanks for being here. This show is over. No, so uh, Pete, you do something very similar to what I do here. I mean, I'm trying. You know, I could have just as easily named this show "How to Be Awesome at Your Job," but it would have been then me breaking out and saying, "Now, what I mean by job is clarify uh, your role as your career, your role as your you know your relationships. If you're a father, a husband, a wife, etc. You know all the different roles in your life, and, and in fact, that's what you're doing." Yeah, no, it's true. How to be awesome at your job. I, I often hear people say, you know, it's not just about my job. And, and so <laughs> I, I try to focus it on what we call the the universal skills required to flourish at work. But some of those are just about, you know, being present, energized, raring to go. And, and that totally matters in other life contexts. So obviously I fit right in on your guest list. And so I want to just right up front here in the conversation say people should check out your show because 
you do have awesome guests and you do cover similar topics. Uh, you know, I'm going to just make this disclaimer. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like if you don't always listen to every episode of this show, subscribe to Pete's and then you can listen to some of his uh, when I have an off week. You know, it may not well, be for you. you. So there you I'm go. Honored. There you yeah. go. Very good. So I'm curious then how you in all the jobs that you have, all the hats that you wear, how are you awesome at your jobs? <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, you know, there's, there's many ways I could go about answering that. But, you know, I think there's there's maybe a few key things that I, I've zeroed in on that make a, a world of difference. And, and a lot of it has really come from, you know, my guests. What's so fun as a podcaster is, you know, we aim to serve the listener and the audience. And, and I pass on some guests that I'd love to hear, but I know wouldn't be right for the listeners. But there's a, a super healthy, you know, overlap of passion. And and then I just learn all kinds of things from my guests. It's like, yes, thank you. I will be doing that myself. And it's uh, it's so fun. That was why I started the show was I essentially wanted to talk with people that could make me better. And I knew there were other people who would be interested in listening along with me. So and then they say yes when you have an audience right. as opposed to, hey, I just want to chat with you for half an hour, an hour about this stuff that I think is cool. It's like, well, why would I why would I do that, Eric? Because <laughs> like, oh, thousands of others will be listening as well. It's like, OK, cool. I'm in. So you've been able to talk to a lot of different people. I, I'm sure, like me, you've learned a lot from those guests. Uh, I know that you have some specific lessons that I think we should highlight here. One of them has to do with habits and triggers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, one of my favorite guests was BJ Fogg, uh, who talks a lot about you know habits and behavioral science and, and helping, whether it's app creators or whomever, really kind of figure out the, the human behavior side of things. And so he was really zeroed in that when it comes to, to forming a habit, it's largely about what happens just before you do the things so or you have a very clear trigger. Like sort of like if this, then that, as well as uh, having a super tiny action you do so you don't have to ho- have a whole lot of motivation to go forward and do it. And then to have some degree of, of celebration or reward or reinforcement to that. And, and that's how how habits gets get built. And so he talks a lot about tiny habits. And I think they're so excitingly cool and fun and powerful in that if there's a certain trigger, there's then a tiny thing you do afterwards, like like under 20 second type thing. And then you you celebrate it. So for example, in the morning when I you know get a, a glass of water yeah, to hydrate, yeah, that's a that's a good thing to do. I will then just automatically sort of grab my vitamins. Mm, yeah. And so there we go. Boom, boom, boom. And I, I don't forget and I'm a little more energized as a result of, of having that nutrition. Or when I wash my hands, I might, you know, say uh, you know, a prayer or gratitude. And then that just sort of automatically hand washing triggers a gratitude moment. And then there's more kind of gratitude flowing through the day because you know, wash my hands a few times a day and, <laughs> you and there so. you go <laughs> <laughs> hopefully there are many opportunities to be grateful throughout your day if you get my meaning washing your hands often is what i'm saying so uh it's always better when you have to explain the joke i imagine then that uh these these tiny habits these rewards these these triggers these actions often could be stacked together and what you're really doing is is you're building on the smallest micro habit possible to do so that you're then able to leverage that, uh, you know, consistency, that willpower flowing through you towards what you've decided to do to then assert that onto larger things. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and you can think about it in terms of like morning habits and rituals are really popular. Uh, one of BJ's favorite habits is as soon as my, the trigger is my feet hit the floor off the bed and then I'm going to say, it's going to be a great day. And so we just sort of start with some some positivity then, or then it's like, I'm going to you know go to the bathroom and then I'm going to weigh myself, you know, to ensure some accountability for, for staying in shape. And, and then I'm going to you know, have some water and then immediately after the water is the vitamins. So, so they really can stack in, until you've got a nice little chain of stuff that set you up for excellence, whether it's at the beginning of the day or as you're transitioning from work to home or you're re-energizing post-lunch. Uh, really powerful stuff. Yeah, it sounds incredibly powerful. I, I've kind of been doing that myself recently with the Apple Watch. I don't know if you have one or not. Um, I do. You know, I, I've seen them. I don't have one. Okay. I've been intrigued. Yeah. I'm wondering, has my Fitbit, you know, is it <laughs> really delivering on the heart rate with consistency? Sometimes it's like, I know my heart rate's going higher than this right now, Fitbit. Come on now. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been using it. I, I did all of the month of, which month was it? Was it? July, uh, the, the entire month of July, I hit all of my activity rings there. So that meant I, I I hit like calorie level, uh, burning calorie level. I should say not the eating calorie level. That'd be amazing though. I'd hit that ring every time. Um, (laughs) the, uh, standing ring and then the, the activity ring, which is 30 minutes of activity at like above a, a, at least like a minimal, uh, certain heart rate. And I did it. I, I, you know, and I, I said, all right, I'm going to do this for a month. And I got through a week and said, all right, this got, this feels a lot easier. And then I got through two weeks and three weeks. And then I smashed my toe and thought I almost broke it. And then I was oh, like, man. I'm still going to go um, sit on a bike at the YMCA. And I still did it. And if I hadn't already built in almost three weeks when the toe thing happened, I probably would have just said, ah, you did good. You had a good run. And Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) not literally, well, you did, but anyway, so I can see where the stacking and the consistency builds up. In fact, I haven't, I'm still doing it and we're recording this like in August now. So I think I've been like five weeks plus. So outstanding. Well, well now that reminds me of the last ingredient, which is to celebrate, you know, Hey, nice job, Eric. And, and the celebration can be really minor. Like BJ would would talk about just saying I'm awesome. And and my my little celebration is so silly. It comes from back in the day when I played video games with my brother and friends, Mortal Kombat, when you like defeated your opponent with incurring zero damage, it would say flawless victory. And so sometimes I'll celebrate something like, Ooh, and I'll even say aloud, you know, flawless victory and then and take a little bow. And it's kind of silly, but it, it it sort of triggers something inside like, yeah, that was good. And I feel good. And I'm more likely to do it again. OK, so from time to time, I have been known to use the words finish him. Oh, so, there you go. So there you go. And, and maybe I'm applying that towards a, a certain task that, uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, oh that's good. Finish. Yeah. So there you go. Well, now I hear the music. Da-da, da-da, da-da. <laughs> All right. So you've had other guests, though, like, for example, Jay Papasan, which I love how that name sounds. Uh, <laughs> and he talks about the one thing. And I'm interested in hearing what does the one thing mean for you? Well, I think the one thing is, is one of the, the best books ever. So mm-hmm. I recommend yeah. it. And and so the one thing is referring to, well, basically a question that illuminates what's the one thing. And, and, and what that question is, is what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier 
or unnecessary. And, and that's, I think it's a, it's a heavy one that can really spark some good things. So it's, again, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. And, and so what's so cool about that is a lot of times I think we get kind of caught up. It's like, oh man, I got so much stuff to do. I got to churn it, you know, go, 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 go more, more, more stuff, stuff, stuff. And then, but if you stop and pause, you can realize, wait, th- there may be one thing I can do that will make this whole thing a lot easier. So for instance, I even like to ask it kind of multiple layers at a time to really drill down into something. So for example, let's say we could take a category like like physical health. And I would say, all right, what's the one thing I could do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary for my health? And I thought, well, you know what? I, I don't eat very many vegetables. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I was like, well, okay, how can I make that easier? It's like, well, it'd be good to prep a bunch of salad in advance. Like, well, what would make that easier? And I was like, well, it's so hard. It's not that hard, but it's hard enough to give me some resistance that, you know, I'm going to take out, uh, you know, one head of romaine, I'm going to cut it a third of it, and then I'm going to dice that. And then I'm going to, you know, add the carrots and the other ingredients and all that, and then put it back, you know, it's like, it'd be much better if I could have just like a big old salad prepped in advance. And I was like, well, what's one thing I could do that could make that easier? And I was like, well, if I had the perfectly sized container that would fit just right in my fridge, enable me to use all three heads of romaine at once so I don't have to, you know, put it away, bring it back out, put it away, bring it back out. And so I spent probably 45 minutes like measuring my fridge, looking at all the options on Amazon, but I found it. It's it's a dream come true. The perfectly sized container for my fridge and a big bundle of salad. And so now I could have probably eight salads made in advance and it's so quick now I can just go, boom, handful, add the cheese or the Santa Fe tortilla strips or dressing, and, and then boom, it's, it's, it's good and done. And so, yeah, it, sure enough, that has made eating vegetables easier, and I'm eating way, way, way more, all because I found the right container, and I found that because I asked that question a few times. Okay, so how are you dealing with getting it all eaten in time before it starts to go bad? Oh, well, my wife helps out. So I, I think that the premise here is I think that I've probably got about, you know, six or seven days of life in, in that salad. And I don't put that things like, uh, you know, the cheese or, or croutons or stuff that, you know, would, would get you know, soggy or, or kind of messed up. It's, it's sort of just the veggie combo. And then I sort of uh, top that afterwards. So you, because we're, we're looking at eight-ish salads, that it's good for six-ish days, and there's two people, we, we almost always get the job done, you know, before rot sets in. Okay, good to hear. Yes, because I have done that same thing. Uh, we have, aside from the container <laughs> side of things, uh, although we have some that are kind of perfectly set up, but just like one or two. And often my wife takes them for lunch. So, um, well, she's winning. <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds she's like sad. your it sounds like your team is more coordinated than mine. So, <laughs> it stays there. It stays in the fridge, and it, it's good to go. And and yeah, it, it, it's so funny how on the one hand it, it seems sort of like obsessive and over the top and unnecessary. Like really, forty five minutes measuring the fridge and looking at all the Amazon options. But no, that, that one investment of 45 minutes has saved me numerous hours of salad prep and just, you know, delivered the goods in terms of, Hey, I am, I'm healthier and, and having more vegetables and, and not at all feeling, you know, put out when the, the time comes. It's like, Oh, making a salad it would take three minutes. I can't endure it to, Oh yeah, this is a 20 second process. Boom. Let's do it. The 45 minutes was well worth it time spent researching 
the options and finding a solution to meet your goal of eating more vegetables, which was uh, time well spent. I agree. I, I have zero regrets. <laughs> it's one of my, my highlights of, of productivity for the year. <laughs> so I assume you're feeling better then physically alert. I am. All yes. That. You know, uh, veggies, they, they make an impact. It's funny, like uh, in terms of there's so many different ways you can measure efficiency or productivity or, or effectiveness. But I guess it's sort of like, you know, vegetables in terms of, of minutes required to prep them and belly fullness it's not a great ratio, but in terms of uh, belly fullness per calorie, that mm. is a better ratio. And that's the ratio that uh, keeps me from becoming overweight. Got it. Yes. And honestly, because they're higher in nutrient, let's use the word density, you're less likely to then feel hungry to then snack on things that are going to physically make you sluggish. Agreed. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond I have talked about this principle on the show before. You have some takeaways from the 80-20 principle that are making you awesome at your job. I would love to hear how you're doing this, how you're using this principle. Oh, sure thing. Well, I'm such a huge believer in, in the 80-20 principle. And we, we talked a lot about it when I was working in strategy consulting at Bain. And and so the basic premise, you may have heard it, is that uh, generally, you know, 80% of results or outcomes come from 20% of causes. And this stems from the Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto. 
It's called the Pareto Principle. Who knows that this ratio applies in many, many things, like 80% of the land is owned by 20% of the, the people. 80% of the, the vegetables, once again, are, are growing on, on 20% of the plants. And, and so what, what's interesting about that is people say, okay, yeah, I've heard of that. All right, sure, uh-huh, 80-20 principle. You know, that means I should prioritize because some things are, are more important than others. And, and that's true. But I think what's, what's key here is just the magnitude of this is like the 80-20 principle. And we can go through the dorky math if you want to, but uh, to suffice it to say that the the more important items, the, the trivial few, as Pareto would call them, are not just a smidgen more important, you know, than, than the other items, but rather they are 16 times as important. And, and so I think that it's it's so important to do that thinking in terms of what are those vital few things and how can they make the, the difference? And so I guess we talked about the the salad and, and the, the one thing question really works well with the yeah. 820 principle. And, you know, for instance, I might say if I could spend, you know, some, some really thoughtful hours up front, you know, figuring out maybe how to systematize, outsource or automate certain things, you know, that could very well save me many, many hours. So maybe I invest three hours up front and then I save 50 hours over the course of, of a year or multiple years from that. And, and so that really is like like 16 times. That hour I spent doing the, the thinking, the systematizing, the outsourcing, the training is yielding uh, 16 times what, you know, those hours would yield if I were just doing it myself. So it's it's huge, and I, rec- I think it's well worth the thinking. It's like, what are the tiny hinges that swing big doors? Well, and you could even think of this in terms of if you took a look at, say, your budget statements of maybe your revenue streams, if you're oh, whatever, yeah. whatever business you're in, and you could say, whoa, hold up. There's like one thing here that's bringing in 80% of the revenue, and the rest of the stuff is like this 20%. And you might find that like, you know, a handful of things are in that 20, but there's like one or two things in the 80. So it's kind of like obvious then, oh, duh. Well, why wouldn't I spend more time, energy, effort, et cetera, either expanding or marketing better those things that are bringing in the most so that I can optimize my output? Absolutely. And you can even go even further there. You could say, okay, hey, maybe 20% of the, the customers are, are yielding 80% of the revenue. Yes. And then you look at those customers, it's like, well, how to get those customers? It's like, oh, well, I got those by, you, you fill in the blank, visiting trade shows or reaching out to you know this type of people proactively or being a guest on podcasts. You could identify what, what were the activities that did that. And then you know what are within that sort of like the top 20% of, of opportunities there in terms of like the very best best, most applicable trade shows, the very largest and most overlapping podcasts. And, and so it, it really kind of, it almost gets like exponential or fractal, if you will, with uh, how you can find this, this point of leverage that's just massive. Yes, exactly. And, and it just starts to balloon from there or multiply from there is maybe a better way to put it. Yeah. And it's exciting stuff. And, and then, or you can sort of think about, Hey, what, what really cool thing happened accidentally? And then how could I, you know, make sure that happens more so on purpose, systematically, repeatedly oh, yeah. in terms of like, Hey, someone just found this and thought it was perfect. Well, how do I go find more of those people? And then it's very exciting. Well, if we, even if we take it back to the salad example, if you accidentally ate a salad and realized the benefits and felt different and, and felt better and felt more full or, you know, all of the above, that then leads you down to what you did, which was investigating the perfect uh, container and the, 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 the size in the, the fridge and all of that. So that's kind of a backwards example. 
Oh, totally. And, and that really makes a huge case for taking the time to have some reflection. You know, mm-hmm. like if you never stop and pause and think to identify these patterns, then you're just going to kind of keep doing the, the same thing over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Which is good if you found the right thing and you're going to be consistent. Yes. But at the same time, questioning things, very helpful as well. Agreed. I would like to talk about the effectiveness ratio or what it's also known as, as the outcome constraint ratio. I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this with anybody on this show. So thank you for bringing this up. Oh, thank you. Well, I might have invented it, but maybe not. I mean, <laughs> I, I think in good to great, they talk a lot about, you know, finding the right appropriate financial mm-hmm. uh, metrics, you know, like Walgreens was looking at, you know, profit per, per square foot of store, which is different than if they looked at it uh, on a different basis. But I, I think to, to simplify it, at the end of the day, there are many, many circumstances in which, you know, you want to achieve something. You know, there's something good you want, the outcome, the result. And then there's something kind of constraining it. And maybe it's a resource, it's money, it's time, it's it's energy, it's attention, it, it's something. And, and I think what's really interesting is if you take a moment to try to quantify these matters, you can discover that the, the ratio between things are are wildly different. So, for example, in my business, you know, I would like to earn more profit. You know, that's a goal. And I find my key constraint is just how much time do I have available. And so I have all these ideas. Uh, ideation is my top strength on the strengths finder. I have all these ideas and it's like, well, blah, blah, and they, it seems like they might be approximately equal to one another. But then if I just take a moment to, to say, okay, well, you know, hey, best case, worst case, medium case, you know, what kind of profit might this yield for me? And, and you know, similarly, you know, just how long would it take to do all those little activities associated with realizing that opportunity? And then when I, I, I could have put them side by side, all right. On my spreadsheet, I've got all these initiatives. I've got the expected profit, the expected hours, and then the profit per hour. That's my outcome to constraint ratio. And and lo and behold, Vilfredo Pareto would not be surprised. Some of them really are 16 times as valuable as others. And so it's it's just mind-boggling how if you think about, well, well heck, you know, I've, I've got this course I've already made. I should probably make that available again for purchase. <laughs> that wouldn't take very many hours and then it would produce substantial profit. So let's go for it. And, and I think that could really illuminate all kinds of things and, and bring you such great clarity. If you find yourself pulled in many different directions, you could say, hey, what really matters here? Uh, what's the constraint? What has the best ratio? And then get after it. And it works not only financially, but I, I think about it also in terms of uh, maybe like honey-do lists, like, you know, mm. in uh, in relationships. It's sort of like there's maybe many, many things that your partner would, would like for you to do. But if you really get, take a moment to have some conversations like, hey, uh, how delightful would this be for you? You know, on a scale of, of a zero to 10. And how long will it take me? Uh, I thought the big thing was going to be, I don't know, doing a whole bunch of landscaping. But it turns out uh, all, all that would really make a world of difference for you is if I installed this uh, window shade and, and I could do that in 45 minutes. Boom. And so I, I think that's pretty cool in terms of whatever you're trying to maximize, whether it's spouse delight or, or profits. If you think about uh, what are your constraints, you could see what are really my, my hugest, most leveraged opportunities. Yeah, man. All of this kind of ties together, right? It's all about identifying, uh, you know, let's let's tie this up. Uh, you've got these tiny habits, which are little building blocks of things, and you can choose those based on the one thing, which yeah. could be found through identifying your 80-20 principle stuff, which then folds right into this. 
Well, absolutely. They do work together beautifully. And I think a lot of it's just about kind of, you know, where's your point of entry? If you're thinking, boy, is there a little thing that I could just do regularly? And you start with the tiny habits. If you have a ton of options, you don't quite know where to start, I'd probably use the outcome constraint ratio. And if you just don't even know yet, you could just start doing some deeper soul searching with that one thing question. And But either way, certainly they are working together. What we've talked about in this conversation all kind of comes together as this micro slash macro level, you know, leverage. It's, it's the fulcrum and the lever kind of, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. my, my visual or in my head, at least visual metaphor for this conversation is just f- figuring out where to position the lever to get multiplied effort or outcome out of smaller amounts of effort. Absolutely. Was it was it Archimedes who said, give me a lever long enough and I shall move the world? That Someone is, said that. That, I, that is correct. <laughs> I believe that is correct. I should say, because somebody's going to be like, no, it wasn't. Guys, uh, that was me, on. actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Pete McGuinness. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, I think it I think it is Archimedes. And and uh, I, I I have always loved that metaphor. And, and I think, you know, it, it, here's the thing. That doesn't mean you're lazy. It just means, you know, there's got to be a better way. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's just about where you're going to use those freed up hours. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can, I think a lot of times we can get sort of so consumed with one goal. It's like we don't have the time available to pursue other goals, but there there are many worthwhile goals. And so now you've you've freed up some resources to pursue them. Or maybe what you really need is a rest. Yes. and, and when you have that rest, you'll you'll generate even more good stuff. I'm thinking about uh, Dan Sullivan with the Strategic Coach. You know, he recommends entrepreneurs really build in free days, like 24 hour periods of doing nothing. And when you do so, lo and behold, you come back refreshed with so many new ideas. You accomplish more than you would have had you been, you know, grinding away during that free day. Yeah. No, I love it. That's almost a different type of lever. Let's say lever, a uh, different type of lever. But don't ask me to explain that yet, because that's a theory that was just popping into my head. I said that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah sure. We, we can talk about rest. And, and I think that's really interesting in terms of, you know, what is the you know, what's the optimal ratio? And I think that's that's one that you probably sort of feel more so than you can quantify. It's like, yep, mm-hmm. sure enough, I am burnt out and exhausted. That was too much. Let's back it off. It's ironic that you say that because last night, which was not normal, I was up later than usual and up earlier this morning than usual. So from both ends of the sleep pattern, I should be really tired right now. I actually mm-hmm. feel fine. But it's, it's because be- you're so enlivened <laughs> by this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's that too, but it's also because I have consistently gotten lots better sleep. And in fact, have gotten lots better sleep uh, lengthwise, quality-wise, and especially quality-wise, going back to my uh, exercise streak, uh, that's what my time tracking, not my time tracking, my sleep tracking has told me. Absolutely. I recently read a study that suggested that those who get the recommended uh, 150 or two and a half hours a week of moderate to vigorous exercise, which is roughly walking four miles per hour or more intense than that, each week had 65% higher sleep quality. That's huge. It's sort of like, wow, if that's true, then spending that time in exercise, it truly will pay you back in terms of, you know, energized time you have available in life. Oh yeah. No, I, I have felt better. 
as you know fit more physically active as well as i have felt less tired from sleep which you'd think i've been more physically active i should feel more tired one that already is wrong because the physical activity actually energizes you but then two the better sleep doubles down on that that's huge and and what's so cool is you could arrive at that conclusion by asking the one thing question you could also start thinking about a tiny habit like why don't i feel refreshed in the morning well maybe it's because i'm watching netflix deep into the night well what could i replace that with okay i'm going to listen to a podcast or audible and and that way i don't have the blue light zapping me yes and and so then just like the the compounding effects over time are huge yeah and and i've even taken to i mean i love reading stuff on screens, but I'm reading physical books in the evening. Good, good work. Good work. What book you read now? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? Okay. So what I'm doing right now is I'm actually reading a nonfiction book. It's a memoir by the uh, lead singer of the band Wilco, Jeff Tweedy. Oh, fun. So very, very, very interesting. If you're, if you're a fan of the, the band Wilco. So like I am. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Pete, it's been great talking with you. I, you know, again, the stuff we learned and, you know, here, the stuff we've reminded people of, because I'm sure not all of this was new to everybody, but often it takes reminding people of things so that they can better integrate them into their lives. It's why we, quote, retread topics and then integrate them in different ways, like puzzle pieces on this show. And uh, I and you do on your show. So, again, I'd love for people to check out your show. Is there anything else in the works that or anything you want to, you know, send people to go check out or where's the best place for them to, uh, you know, check out your site and find uh, the podcast? Oh, thanks. Well, I would say, you know, hey, right now in your podcast playing app, um, you can just go right to that yellow friendly cover art that says how to be awesome at your job. And I might recommend you start with some of the listener favorite episodes, which I put right at the beginning. So in between episode zero and one are some faves labeled A, B, C, D, E, F. Anything from an FBI hostage negotiator telling you how to communicate better to uh, a rock star business school professor who's zeroed in on the things that derail the career. Um, they're, they're right there. And I think that's a, a fun point of entry. That's awesome. Pete, it's been great talking with you. I'm going to link all this up in the show notes as well. Pete, great to see you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person next week at Podcast Movement. In fact, I think this will probably drop then just so that we've got a fun, lively, you know, podcaster talking to another podcaster type conversation out there for us to both say, hey, check this out while we're, you know, hanging out with each other and others. Oh, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And podcast movement, it's such a blast on so many dimensions. But part of it is just that you meet these new people like, wow, you you should be a guest. And then it's sort of like the, the pipeline is replenished. Yes. So, Pete. Ah, great talking with you as usual. We'll have to have you back on the show again soon. With that, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Have a good one. Well, that's another episode crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Pete Mikaitis. I know that I did. I always enjoy talking with Pete. And I hope that you were able to trace the through line in the conversation, again, connecting all that we talked about, so that you can dig deeper into figuring out how small things connect to larger things, connecting to your priorities, helping you to get more done faster 
so that then you can also rest and that how that rest can then feed back into getting more done and vice versa. If you enjoyed this podcast conversation, I would love for you to share it. Let Pete know that you enjoyed it. You can find him on Twitter. His username is Pete A-W-E. So Pete Awe, like awe for awesome, like his show, How to Be Awesome at Your Job, which again, you should definitely check out. And I've linked up in the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com. So first off, let Pete know you enjoyed this episode. Two, check out his show. And three, let someone know about this episode of this podcast. Do me that favor. Let somebody know who you know needs to hear this about it. Hit the share button in your podcast player of choice. And with that, I will see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.